The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome everyone to the Ask Dr. Dream show where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I'm your host, Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden here on Unity Online Radio and this is a pre-recorded call today, so unfortunately you can't call in. I'm so sorry, but I will be back next week. It's a crazy, crazy week, as you all know. There's um, double pandemics going on, and one of my dearest friends is, um, I don't know how to say this delicately, she's on her way out, and I'm going to be gone, and I will be with her And I don't know how long that will be, but um, you'll be hearing from me next week live. But today I am calling on one of my other best friends in this world, someone who I call on when I'm lost and uncertain or I've just let the world get to me. This woman is an alchemy machine. I am in her conditioning field for a moment and I feel the heaviness and the darkness turn into pearls of wisdom and turn into, into light. And, um, I'm so excited. Her name is Joey Sutton and she's a certified holistic health counselor, educator, and author of the Downlow on the upflow and the book insults and antidotes to eating thinking and being awesome. So Joey always talks about like, this is the cool thing about Joey. I'm going to talk now. I've got her on the show now, but I'm going to talk about her in front of her back. Um, She is somebody who in the sweetest way possible, even when I think I have a really great case about playing victim to some, some thing that someone did or said that hurt my feelings, she'll always gently point me in the direction of what's my part. What's my responsibility. And They say that the truth will set you free, although sometimes at first it will piss you off, but eventually it gets you off the ground, kicking and screaming and eventually finding solutions. So Joey, I always find solutions with you. And I feel like you and I live in a pearl factory, constantly making pearls out of the sand in our oyster. And I'm so grateful to have you on the Ask Dr. Dream show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. You're, I'm the one coming to you with needing, needing my own self-responsibility. So uh, I'm going to bring, this time I'm going to bring the coal and you're going to bring the heat and pressure, okay? And it's interesting, your son is coal, so bring him. He's like a diamond in the midst, diamond that is not necessarily hidden anymore. It's pretty obvious. Normally I start this show with um, a little meditation, a little prayer. So I'm going to start it and then I'm going to pass it to you, okay? Okay. So I just want to, this is, if, if anyone's listening to this in real time when this broadcasts, this is, this is a challenging time we're living in and the solutions I believe are not external to us, although sometimes they can have external effects. So let's just turn within and let's just take a couple of breaths, not to do a spiritual bypass by any means, but just to drop into the center of ourselves to 
that place that is beyond time and space, beyond age, beyond calendars, beyond the news, beyond effects, this place I think of as heaven on earth, even though it's neither earth or heaven, but it's it's a heavenly space within. And with every breath we take, let's just expand our access to freedom, unconditional love, the state of dreams, the place that is unlimited within us, that is unfettered, that is un, unimprisoned, unhurtable, unharmable. That part of us that is resilient and eternal and that part of us that lives in a unified field with one another, intrinsically connected to our brothers and sisters, regardless of color, race, religion, geography. So let's just melt in this this oneness, the namesake of this radio station, Unity. It's just this, this state of consciousness where we are stronger because we're united and connected to the whole. So let's just come out of the trance, the hypnotism of the world for a moment and become lucid in this dream that we're having. Let's be willing to gather all of our strength and all of our sub-personalities that we may have shunned to the closet that we don't like about ourselves, the parts of us that we project onto other people and demonize in the past. Let's just love them all. And I pass the talking prayer stick to Joey. I just give so much thanks for the incredible amount of love that is pouring out now throughout this double pandemic, as you put it, through all of our communities throughout the entire world. And I'm just looking at the blessings and the gifts that are coming from such dramatic loss and death and murder and mayhem and recognizing how strong a force love truly is and I feel like the whole world is holding hands right now so I just give so much thanks for all the people whose love is shining and for those whose love is not shining I beam it upon them because a single match extinguishes the darkness so I just pray for the extinguishing of darkness by the addition of light I'm so grateful for any and all conversations that we get to have Kelly and for all that gets revealed, the mirror, the day, the hall of mirrors that we are heals us and therefore all who we touch. And so I'm just so grateful to be having a moment to be connected to you in this special and sacred way. So I pass mm. back to you. Mm, thank you so much. And so it is. Amen. All woman. Ah, dreams. Ah, that was so good. Thank you so much for joining me in this. Okay. So I want to just dive in. Um, so here's the thought that I had that I think we can speak about. I want to talk about how you love the sub, the, the unlovable or previously un, thought to be unlovable aspects of self and how we treat people the way we treat ourselves, the way how unlovable and how unloving we can be towards the parts of ourselves that we deem unlovable and, and, um, and I want to say this, this is just kind of an overarching vision that I have. And I've said this on the show before. I feel like I'm an advocate for the shadow. 
as a dream expert, mostly the people that come to see me are people that have nightmares and are not happy with their dreams. Mostly people keep their happy dreams to themselves and or they don't pay somebody to help them with dreams if they're happy. So I've become an advocate for the shadow that comes out in the dreams that are called nightmares. And I've realized for myself and for so many people that I've talked to that when we think of the shadow, we think of it as this teeny little thing that is like like this thing that follows us when we're walking down the road and we see the sun and we see everything and there's this little shadow behind us. It's small. It's like this part of the world that is that it's in our blind spot, but it's small. The shadow, Carl Jung referred to it as the parts of ourselves we don't like or even the parts of ourselves we don't know. Unknown territory is also put in the shadow, but I think most of us identify the shadow as being this this slice of the pie that's like maybe 1%. That's just like, if we could just get rid of that thing, we'd be fine and we'd know everything. But in fact, the ratio is reversed. What we know is that one teeny little sliver. And what is shadow is almost all of life. Almost everything is shadow. And the way we treat what is unknown, unknowable, or different is 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 the epidemic, is the pandemic. And I think our human race would grow and thrive more robustly if we stopped having an adversarial relationship with the shadow and started embracing and loving all things that we call shadow, whether it's the unlovable or the unlikable or the rejectable or the what we don't know. I think we our learning curve would be off the charts if we could do that. So I've witnessed you take the parts of you that you have demonized and you have a process that you that you do that is so stunning. So could you speak about anything that I've just said or specifically the way you treat the parts of you that aren't your favorite? Mm. Yeah, thank you. That was so was a great and vital topic that is, especially for right now, because um, it seems like the shadow of the world is up. Um, I was thinking about shadows and I was thinking, a shadow is only a figure blocking the light. You know, like you can't cast a shadow without something, mm. something blocking the light from passing through it. And so when, you know, and when you said originally, you said something like, you know, the sh- shadow is 1% and you said, but actually a shadow is the largest percent. I agree. Cause I kind of feel like being on earth means we're formed of matter and matter is such condensed light. It's almost like it squeezes the light out. So, I think you're right. right. I think we're 99.999999% shadow. Yeah. And only 0.000001% light, which is the same constitution as an atom, which is the same constitution as, as what makes up energy. So I love that you brought up that actual number that you brought up the 1% because you're, mm. you're right. It's the inverse of what you had heard. And um, I think that, I feel really, I just, at first I just want a presence and I feel so teary. Mm -hmm. I feel like tears are right behind my face. Mm -hmm. I feel teary for the world. I feel, you know, we were talking about having a shadow conversation today. We were also going to talk about um, how, when life is too heavy, what are our strategies for managing life being heavy? And so I think I want to melt these two conversations together. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Let's just let's just make a shake. Um, 
So, so technology wasn't working lately. Technology hasn't been working. You know, our mutual friend is about to walk through the door of this planet to the other side of the veil. This is a friend of ours you've had for how many years? It's been um, about 30 years. 30 years. And I've known her for 23 years, which is about how long our group has been going on. So one of our sisters is our goddess group. One of our sisters is about to go to the other side of the veil. So I feel tender about some of the stuff that you brought up. And, you know, um, my partner's mom said yesterday, there is no death. They're just walking from one door into another door. They're just walking into another room. But still, you know, my dad just passed away six months yeah. ago, and he's in another room, and I'm having to try to tap into that room in other ways. I feel like I'm kind of going on a tangent, but I will come around in a circle. <laughs> I trust it implicitly. <laughs> I love the journey. The journey is as, amp- as important as the destination, so keep going. Yeah. So because I'm a fan of shadow work, and I'm a fan of shadow work because I feel like I've had a lot of darkness squeezing my own heart which by the way I sometimes feel a a little bit during this time while 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 uh the George Floyd murder is so recent it's a little bit hard sometimes to have any level of pity party for myself right now so I I feel like I'm I feel like I'm tiptoeing really carefully when I say this yeah Um, yeah yeah you know, for my court of struggle, you know, whatever my little court is, my mom used to say everyone has their court of struggle, but, you know, I don't know what it's relative to, but each, you know, it's like there's a certain amount of poison in everyone's lives, I guess. So um, without diminishing the intensity of the struggle that is so radically apparent and (sighs) expressing itself on the planet right now, Mm -hmm. um, as it should. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I'm going to talk about my little court of pain yeah, um, and where my shadows come from. So in my world, there's um, drug abuse and use and addiction. And um, in my upbringing, there was violence and mental illness. Um, and I formed a bunch of different ways to survive in that upbringing um, in order to, you know, in order to have a decent life. And so, so, okay. And so um, to say this quickly, I created a bunch of sub-personalities, not like split personalities, but different ways to cope. So I learned to be a good girl or I learned to be, I'm so sorry. I read that wrong. No, we're fine. We still have time. <laughs> sorry. Keep okay. Going. All right. You're going to cut me off and I was going to put my whole life into 47 seconds. Okay. No. Okay, great. So I have a little bit more time. Okay. So um, these coping mechanisms that I came up with were meant for this body, this organism to survive its life. So I became different people and I chameleoned myself in a bunch of different ways in, in, in order to match a situation in order to a survive and B maybe even get love. Like it wasn't just about survival. It's actually wanted to be liked. So there was all sorts of ways that I did that in one of them was I learned to be psychic. I could tune in energetically to my house and feel where danger was, or there wasn't danger. I could morph myself to the needs of whoever was around. This is very codependent by the way, mm-hmm. if anybody's listening and, and relating, look up Al-Anon meetings mm-hmm. <laughs> because this is a great place to go for this mm-hmm. issue. 
Um, I learned to hide the yucky parts of me so that you would like me better. Um, I would be a great caretaker. I could clean. I could cook. I could read your mind. I could give you what you wanted before you, before you even knew you wanted it. And this was a really useful survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to be good, and I tried not to be bad. I tried to be lovable, and I tried not to be unlovable. So I split myself into all these pieces, the presentable and the unpresentable, in which case I swallowed most of my humanity. And in the swallowing of my humanity, um, let's just say that, you know, you cannot extinguish, you cannot extinguish truth. And the truth was I was hurting and the truth was I was scared and the truth was I was angry. And all these truths kind of formed themselves like what I imagine how cancer forms itself um, when there's Mm. disease that's when there's disease that's swallowed, when there's feelings that are unexpressed, when there's Mm. toxins entering the body, toxins aren't just what you eat or what you breathe. Toxins are also what you think and what you suppress, what you hate, what you reject. So I believe that what happened was there were these pieces of me that formed and they formed sort of a dark army. And this dark army had its way when I sort of couldn't take it anymore. And, you know, I watched my mom tried to be a really good person. I think she did similar as I did. She tried to be good and likable and lovable right. and don't and be a good girl and don't be a bad girl. And, and so eventually what happened with my mom is she would blow a gasket and her gasket blown would be like the, you know, like equal and opposite to the level of suppression was the expression. And it was tragic and violent sometimes and rageful and frightening. And she was this amazing woman on one hand who didn't know how to put those two things together, didn't have an easy way to express herself. And so that was my model. That's what I watched. And I wanted to be as good as she was. She was amazing and loving and kind and patient and beautiful and caring and compassionate and artistic. And, and wow, she, she had so many amazing, deep, beautiful qualities. Um, but when she couldn't hold that in the forefront all the time, those other qualities came rushing forth like a band of, like a band of dark, uh, dark angels. So I developed some dark angels who throughout all my relationships tried to be so good and kind and loving and generous. And then, you know, eventually my needs made their way to the surface and I didn't, um, you know, I wasn't always able to get them met. So Let's just fast forward to my main, my main um, sub-personality we, we originally called the tweaker. Remember, we, <laughs> we were first naming her. And, like, I tweaked, I tweaked, you know. I raged. I hurt. I never hit anybody, but I raged, um, you know, when I couldn't get my needs met or I couldn't be validated or, you know, here I was suppressing myself all this time, and then I felt this level of entitlement, like, ah, you need to listen to me now. Don't you know how much I've given to you? And, you know, and, and one doesn't excuse the other. And as a matter of fact, that part of me that would tweak would end up, as you know, feeling so guilty. And I think you had a name for it. I think you called it the snap. Like when oh. you, remember you would like say something like, mm-hmm. you know, if you feel, if you do something terrible and you feel guilty, then you snap into this sort of, what right. do you call that? I don't know, but we'll just call it the snap. <laughs> okay, we'll call it the snap. So like you end up not feeling entitled anymore. You feel guilty for for overly expressing in a rageful way. So there's some guilt involved. And because of that, you sort of snap back into, oh, I'm going to be good again because I hurt you. I'm so sorry. Then I've got to go back to my good person. Then I'd never felt any validation for the things that were truly upsetting me. And this was sort of like. Submit, rebel cycle. Yes, that's it. That's it. 
Okay, okay, so that's what it was, submit, rebel. So there's a rebellion that makes me feel guilty for the rebellion, so then I go back to submit because I'm sort of punishing myself. And I, I remember Marianne Williamson saying a long time ago that, that guilt is a magnet for punishment, and the best form of punishment is to be deprived of love. So here I was screaming for the love I thought I deserved, but then in my screaming, the guilt took over, and then the guilt made me feel like I didn't deserve love, and it sent me back into my good girl mode. So I was always bouncing back and forth between be good, don't be bad, be good, don't be bad. So anyway, long mm. story short, I realized that these parts of me that were acting out, and there's more than just this tweaker, these parts of me that were acting out were actually fighting for my life. They, they were fighting for my rights. They were fighting for my freedom. They were fighting for my feelings. They were fighting for authenticity and truth. Um, I just didn't know how to do it. And so because I didn't know how to do it, I suppressed myself, and then it came out in a blast. Right. And so I feel like I'm standing on the shoulders of my mom who, you know, came from a, a family of, of uh, you know, like a couple of people that survived the Holocaust that, that, right. that got away. And, you know, they were just grateful to be alive and surviving and provided money for the family. But, you know, back then it was about survival. And now I feel like life's about thriving or right. it was when I started this concept. So long story short, I kind of looked at this part of myself and I gave her an image and, and, and I gave her my gratitude and I gave her my apology for suppressing her and not knowing how to take care of her. And I, I said to her, I'm, I'm not going to reject you anymore. I'm not going to push you away. I'm not going to be mean to you. I'm going to actually invite you to stay inside of me and be my informant because you clearly know when things have crossed my, my boundaries when I don't know. I'm used to things crossing my boundaries. So she became the most important part of me. And I just told her I loved her and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And please tell me. And so if I feel any tweak inside, then I go, oh, oh, there's a need that needs to be met. So when you ask, like, what's that formula? What's that formula for, you know, embracing your shadow? Like, well, as soon as you feel upset, there's a need that isn't met. And if we don't meet that need at the level of need, as Alison Armstrong says from Mm -hmm. her seminar, uh, Celebrating Men, Celebrating celebrating men, satisfying women, which she says, if you don't meet your need at the level of the need, then you're going to get agitated. And if you don't meet that need there, you're going to get upset. And if you don't meet that need there, you're going to get angry. And if you don't meet that need there, you're going to get rageful. But this was the caveat. You're going to meet the need eventually. So where do you want to meet it? And that reached my ear too. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I I didn't feel deserving so much. I knew I was a sugar-coated shit cake. Am I allowed to cuss on this? (laughs) Podcast. I don't think so, but it's okay. We'll they'll bleep you. <laughs> sugar coated, okay, sugar coated so shoot cake. Sugar coated poop cake. Okay, so like I was a sugar coated poop cake, <laughs> and and because of that, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Allison Armstrong, meeting your meeting your need at the level of the need. At the level of the floating. need. Right. Right. So thank you for letting me go on and on. I am winding down now. So having said that, if I, if I learn to hear my agitation as a need, and if I know that eventually I will meet them, and if I know that I don't want to do it in a rageful, hurtful way, which hurts others and then deprives me of my validity, then maybe I start listening to my needs sooner mm-hmm. and responding to them sooner. Now, of course, there's a rabbit hole we could go through about deservedness and self-worth and whether we feel like we deserve it and all that. That's a whole conversation. But basically whatever part of me I'm rejecting, I just look at it and I say, what are you, what need of mine are you trying to meet for me that I haven't been able to meet for myself? And thank you for telling me, thank you for showing me. And if I can thank it in time before it acts out, then I can use that as an informant rather than reject that it's coming up at all. 
I don't know. Is that clear? Do you want to add to that? I just want to reflect that it, it just feels like it's, it's the formula for not just self-love, but I mean, it's like from a dream perspective, everyone in the dream is us. And, and because I've spent so much time in that mode, it's hard to not see that happening in the world. So it feels like I, I'm constantly looking at where I get triggered, where I see behavior or someone that's acting in a way. I mean, like, let's, oh, this is like, this is hard. But like, when I start judging, it's easy to judge that, that cop that put his knee on George Floyd's neck. And I don't know. And and it's easy for, for that cop to judge George Floyd. And I've, and I've heard some, some videos and th- some things about like the, both sides of the, of the conversation. And, and it's, it's horrible, but I, my first knee jerk, no pun intended, ugh, is I want to, I feel like I can't do anything about that cop except yeah, there's protesting. And I think some of the protesting is truly leading to, it's leading to change. I think it, it is about physical, there is a physical component, showing up, voting, demonstrating, expressing yourself, letting your voice be heard, writing your book like Joey's doing and has done and like doing that. But I think so much of the work is internal. And I feel like when I see a night, when I have a nightmare about a character that is adversarial or an out and out villain, my, I've habituated myself to embracing that being that character, that little dog that wants to come walking on through. It's like, I have to love that part of me. How can you love that part? So like, Oh, I know this is not, this is not a, this is dicey, but to me, I'll just project if I'm, so say this is all a nightmare and it's all happening in me. And there's this character that's, that put his knee on the neck of, of someone that didn't deserve it and killed him. And that was happening in my dream. It would be my responsibility to see myself in both of those men, the victim and the perpetrator. The most unlovable one here is the, is the perpetrator. So how is he me? How am I? How is there is there a part of me, even if it's just a speck in the ocean of me, that would be so fear-based? It's like the way that I might treat a grizzly bear that that comes walking through my living room. Ah, oh my gosh, it's time for a break. We're gonna pick that up on the other side of this break. I've gone completely batty. We'll be right back. Stay here and we'll we'll be right back here on the Ask Dr. Dream Show. Woo! Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Dream interpretation and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Dream show. I am Kelly Sullivan Walden, a.k.a. Dr. Dream, and we're having a very spicy and possibly controversial conversation with my dear, dear, dear friend and confidant, Joey Sutton. She is a certified, oh my God, she's certifiable. Um, she is a certified holistic health counselor, educator, and author of the download of the download on the upflow and insults and 
antidotes to eating, thinking, and being awesome. Her website, so you can check her out, is Love Your Way to Health. You could even tattoo that on your arm or on your hand. Just love your way to health. So ultimately, the solution is to love your way to health. And possibly, we're going to get back to what we were talking about on earlier before the break, but the, the, the solution, bottom line, here's the, what do they call that when you blow the punchline? Um, spoiler, spoiler alert. It's about loving yourself, loving the most unlovable aspects of yourself. Like what if that was our business? What was, what if that was our job is to just love those parts of ourselves? And that doesn't mean condone bad behavior. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean don't protest. It doesn't mean don't vote. It means, it just means underneath it, find a way to find what's lovable about this. So before I continue my litany, what's, what's this bringing up for you? I mean, when, does this feel controversial to you to think about embracing the part of us in the nightmare that is that cop? Um, and the, and the George, it's a little bit scary to talk about, but I, I think this is, I think what's brave for you and I, that we do is that we look at every horrendous person in the world and we try to find how we are like them in any way. And I feel like part of the, part of the formula of how are we like that in any way is to reduce someone down to a list of adjectives. Exactly. And right. And this is something we do all the time. Like, you know, how am I like that person? I, I despise and I don't want to be like them because does that mean that people think that I would agree to such egregious, Act? Hell no, to the no. no, but what I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do, I think, is we're trying to find some unity within ourselves because like I was talking about in my childhood, I split myself into pieces and I tried to reject the darker side of me. And in that way, it started to have a life of its own. So it goes rogue. If, we can, if we can do what our, you know, Kelly and I had a writing teacher, Lisa, Lisa Lieberman doctor, she used to say, you don't have to like or agree with the protagonist, but you must understand him. There is no black and white writing. There's no good guy and bad guy. There are good, there's good and bad and bad and good, just like the yin and yang symbol. It's not all this or all that. So she said, you must have understanding and compassion, at least some compassion for the protagonist, no, the antagonist. Antagonist. The antagonist. I'm sorry. I got that wrong. The antagonist. Um, Understanding breeds compassion. If you can understand where someone's coming from, even if where they're coming from is aberrant and wrong, like it's just plain old not factual, but they believe it's factual. If you can understand where they're coming from, then you can have compassion for how they feel. Now, do I have compassion for this officer's behavior and what he did? Oh, I'm, I cannot find that. I, I can search for compassion to what he felt somewhere inside of himself that made him believe something. I can't even go there. I can't, I, I can't. Let me just, let me just say this. Let's go one, down to adjectives. Yeah. Let me just say this because to me, I feel like it's, this is about being powerless versus having some power. 
um, my friend and and publicist Steve Allen always says, control your controllables. So I can't change everything. I can't go out and run around and exhaust myself and try to make any change except the, for the things that I can do. Like I said, the protesting and, and there's some and the voting and all of that. So do those things. But then what if there was this piece to do? What if internally, if we did the work, the inner work, all of us, what if that did create a ripple effect? So to me, this is why I'm I'm harping on the inner work. And that's why Joey, I brought Joey on to harp with me about <laughs> so that we can remind each other that the the much of the solution, maybe 99% of it, resides on our own state of consciousness and our own embracing of of these parts of ourselves that we don't like, these adjectives that we don't like. I don't, I don't prefer stingy. I don't prefer fear-based, mean, violent. I don't prefer um, bigoted. I don't prefer, I mean, those are shameful, embarrassing, but if there's, but we can go underneath those qualities to, there was, there was a video and I got a, I wish I could remember who did this video. Who was beautiful rapper who talked about how everything is love. Even when it's aberrant underneath it is a drive for love. And I mean, he's, I'm not even going to begin to try to recreate his poem but it's like if we look at where the love is and we can vibrate there and embrace that within ourselves then i think we're doing we're at least not walking out into the world and creating a vibration that's going to create more violence we might be a space to be able to quell the violence and create some healing okay back to you with your darn adjectives mm. <laughs> um you know i there's a part of me there's a part of me that that is a doesn't want to talk about this intellectually because it's yeah. like yeah. our black community is on fire yeah. and I don't want to like talk about the size of the fire or, you know, the what's good about fire or like, I just want to put the freaking fire out. Yeah. Um, so there's a part of me that doesn't even want to talk about this in a way um, because I think our physical acts are so important. Um, you know, our education is so important. Yes. Our yes. Picketing and protesting and, and standing for our fellow man, for our fellow black community and joining organizations and making donations and doing what we yes. can do. This absolutely. is so we have to stand in the particle right now. The particle absolutely. is absolutely imperative that we stand in this particle. Um, and then, you know, when we do our work and then if we want to, you know, inspect our navels, we can inspect our navels, which we will do. Um, okay. The reason the reason we need to inspect our navels in this case, though, the reason we need to do our inner work, as Gandhi would suggest, is yeah, yeah. because we're a microcosm of the world. And, you know, I feel like governments are made of, of people who are made of human beings, and human beings are so dramatically flawed. So if our own lives and our own families are ill and then our own communities are ill and then our own towns are ill and then our own cities are ill and our countries or states and our countries are ill. Like we just have illness from bottom to the top. So, um, so we do have to do the outer work and then the inner work can help with the illness that's causing the foundation of this stuff. Um, so the reason I want to inspect my navel about this is because I feel like we have to find unity somehow in all aspects of ourselves. So back to adjectives, 
I feel like most damaging, damaging behavior comes from fear. It's the origin. The origin is from fear and fear is from an aberrant thought. And so we can trace most of our fear to an aberrant thought. In cognitive behavioral therapy, they say your thought, your beliefs, your thoughts create your beliefs, which create your actions and hence your experiences. So we have to sort of trace, we have to kind of get to the, the origin of the disease, so to speak, the origin of the cancer believe it, uh, exactly. sorry, lives in the belief system. Um, I feel like we keep going, we're trying to, we're like trying to do a thread and I keep feeling I keep going off the thread of okay. the point we're trying to make here. Ah, I remember the point for me. The point is that my anger is my poison. Mm-hmm. That my lack of forgiveness yes. is my poison. Right. That my lack of understanding is my poison. That my lack of compassion is my poison. And for selfish reasons, I want to do this work simply because just funneling through anger in my body is harmful it's, to me. Is harmful exactly. So that's There's, why so. I want. That's why I want to look and go. How am I like any of and all of these characters? And what can I dismantle? And what light can I shine on it to? To uh, and how can I? How can I? expand my awareness so that so that the things that are dense and matter like won't create so much shadow like if I can expand my consciousness then there's not so much density and matter for light to shadow off of so right oh so interesting interesting the whole you notion of, about that well just about matter I mean we're talking this is about this is about black lives matter and I think mm-hmm. there, I think we have to have matter. We have to matter before we can, we can step into the place of, of becoming more of particles that are more spacious. But I think mattering is, is a step. So I just wanted to, I just thought that was beautiful. You are the metaphor queen. I love that. Yes. Mm. Metaphors yes. be with you. I think I just want to throw this in and I don't mean to derail your thought, but I, I was talking at dinner with my husband, Dana last night, and he was um, around in 1968. I was born in 68. And I think I always, I don't know, somehow take a little pride that I was born in the year that so much like bleep hit the fan. I mean, Manson and, and Nixon and, and the, the riots. And I mean, it's like, I was born into this world that was that was kind of like it is now, but mo- but not as globally centric. It was more L.A. I was born in L.A. during these riots, during all this crazy stuff. But Dana was relating the the riots, um, the the uh, protesting, not the riots. I I'll call them protests now. They're they've they've become these peaceful, beautiful protests, which I'm so proud of our fellow humans for, for making art and beauty out of this crazy out of their broken hearts, out of broken hearts, turning it into art. But he was saying that it reminded him of 1968. And there was some part of me that's like, wow, if we went through all that in 1968, had all these beautiful, had all these protests, had all this consciousness awareness, then how did we end up here again, 52 years later? Like, why didn't we get it? Like, is it enough to just get pissed off and to be upset at the status quo and to want to flip that over and to flip it off and to, is that enough? Is that what, so maybe it's, maybe it's just about moving the needle. Maybe it's just about little teeny baby steps that create quantum leaps 
And maybe that's okay. Maybe that's enough. Or maybe now in this time, it is about the external and the internal in equal measure, or at least acknowledging both. And when I think about what is internal, because really that's the only domain that I feel like I have control over. Maybe that's not exactly true because I write books that are matter full, that are in the mattered, the world of matter. But but my books are all about turning within. It's all about like if we could just do this inner work and call it navel gazing, that's fine. But I think there's there is there is something in that. And I'm just imagining a world where we all did take personal responsibility for the energy that was in us, for the characters that show up in our dreams and in our outer world. And we and we eventually not just owned them, the shame of them, but then eventually learned to love what's underneath those those aberrant qualities. Like I know my fear sometimes has a place. Like if I, like the day that I was robbed uh, several times, several days when I was robbed or, or nearly raped half dozen times, there's, there's a place where these qualities have, they have a place and thank God they're there. I can love them. Our species wouldn't have survived millennia were it not for all these qualities. So we need them. Thank God for them. And if we just brought some more conscious awareness to them, we might be able to level them up. Like my friend Joey Sutton likes to say, I pass the baton back. <laughs> oh, you should boy. create a song right. about that. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to play that song on this station. Um, uh, yeah. So I did have something good to say before I decided to be silly. I'm so sorry. I know. We're, I mean, this, I think. I do. I remember. Okay. Okay, so I want to say that um, I'm also a mental health educator. Um, I teach classes yes. for the NAMI organization, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And um, I, didn't, I wasn't just born wanting to teach NAMI classes. I, taught, I started teaching these classes because I needed them for myself. I needed to go and learn about mental illness because my son had um, a pretty dramatic psychotic break. And it dramatically affected my life. And of course his, and I've never felt anything so painful in all my life is the helplessness that came around my son's um, health and my inability to effectively help him faster. Uh, Fast forward, punchline, spoiler alert, he's stable and well. Having said that, there's other people around me who have issues with mental health. My stepfather, as we speak right now, is in what they call a 5150, a 72-hour hold in in a mental health facility. So I've done a lot of research on mental health. I've looked at my own mental health, and I've needed to. I was brought up in a, a, a container of uh, humans that didn't know how to communicate, deal with themselves, or understand certain things exactly. because it's, it's part of the times, too. Like, like, we didn't always understand these things. We didn't have these distinctions. So having said that, I've come to think that anytime anyone is afraid and acts out of their fear, that they are in a mental health crisis. Yes. In that moment, their brains have gone from working and functioning in a frontal lobe sort of way. And, you know, in a way where you can see the consequences of your actions laid out before you. And instead you're responding from the animal brain and the animal brain is fight or flight or freeze, eat or be eaten. And it's vicious. And it is, it's shoot to kill, not shoot to wound. 
um, metaphorically speaking and, you know, actually speaking. Yes. And so I I feel like, I feel like mental health education needs to be at the heart of all education. The same as I believe that we need to learn about how to write a check, how to make an investment (laughs) and, and, you know, how to communicate among your peers and how to eat actual food. Like this is the curriculum. I like, yes. Hallelujah. Having, having said that, I feel like there isn't enough of a basket to catch the amount of fear and the amount of aberrant responses in the universe, in the world, in our planet. And then let's add to that poverty, people not having enough food, shelter shelter for safety, and they're living in fear and lack and limitation at all times. This is a, this is, um, an invitation for a brain not operating properly. Right. Now that is not limited to people without money. This is not limited to that at all. This isn't even limited to poverty. Some of the wealthiest people we know have some weird brain things going on and <laughs> are making some really strange decisions and shouldn't be doing certain things that they're doing. Right. He who shall not be named. Um, so this isn't limited to any uh, demographic whatsoever. I just believe human beings, when they switch into fear, go into a part of their brains that's flooded with cortisol, fight or flight, and, and then all of those shadows come out and they're going to do what they need to do to not be raped, to not be, to not be um, mugged, to not be murdered, you know, to not be stolen from. That's what we're going to do. So, so it feels to me like, and this is going to seem a little bit like a spiritual bypass, because I don't have this much power. I mean, I am educating wherever I can right now, but it feels to me like however we can get educated to learn to presence ourselves, mm-hmm. to learn to have faith in something, mm-hmm. to learn how to surrender, to learn how to do what we can do and surrender the results, to learn how to access that place that you, that you access for us in prayer, that still silent infinite place that's made of indestructible substance. Mm-hmm. If we can find a way to access that, which a lot of people are now doing with apps, meditation apps, it's very, yeah. you know, very popular right now. Get a meditation app, get a meditation app from Kelly. Kelly's got tons of meditation apps. Mm. So, I mean, not apps, but tons of meditation. Like it feels to me that if we find a way to calm the animal brain and bring ourselves into the brain of humanity, more of us are doing this on a global scale. I mean, we all held flashlights for eight minutes and 46 seconds. We'll be giving some, we'll be giving a moment to compassion for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And we were all doing it together. If we can access this place, if we can grow this place, this is the internal work. This is the soul work. The more we can stay in our soul and in our heart, the less we stay in our animal brain, the less we come from fear, the less violence we do on this planet. So in that way, we need to buy your meditations, Cal. We need to buy your books. We need to, we need to, all of us need to educate ourselves and learn how do we stay in thriving and out of surviving? How do we stay in compassion and love and out of fear and reactivity? This is a conversation for the ages. I wish I could snap my finger. I wish I could make it better. On the realm of dreams, we we can. It's our. It's in at least on one level, our, our dreaming minds can imagine it. And if we can imagine it, then we at least have a north star 
to move toward. And what I love about today in this conversation is, you know, I think the unity, in my opinion, as an archetype, this radio station, this, this, this church, this whole unity, um, world is, is a very spiritual mind, body, spirit world. And I love that we're, that we're able to talk about some of the nitty gritty and the airy fairy and, and knit them together, bring, bring it all together. I mean, that's, to me, that's, that's what it's all about. That's the whole thing. So speaking of, I want to, I want to take a couple of minutes to at least tell people about your books. And I know on your website, um, love your way to health is where all things, Joey, reside, your coaching packages, your all the different um, workshops that you're leading. Some of the things are, are open to the public or will be and your books. If they're not available now, they will be. So Love Your Way to Health is a, is a website people should frequent. You also have a blog and they can sign up for for your newsletter, your, yeah. for your newsletter. So tell us a little bit about um, insults and antidotes. I feel like there's, it's like, at least it's a metaphor. I know it's more about food and stuff, but no, it's not. It's beyond that. So give us a little, a little spiel about insults Aww. and antidotes. Well, thank you. That book wouldn't even be written without you. So um, <laughs> oh, <my laughs> you're like, God. this is your deadline, get it done. So, I <laughs> so insults and antidotes. So I just believe that there's, there's things, there's thoughts, behaviors, actions, foods that are insulting to our health. And there are thoughts, actions, behaviors, and, and food that are antidotes to those insults. So this book pretty much outlines which are the antidotes and which are the insults and which are the antidotes. And there are, they're food, but they're also behavioral and they're also soulful and self-care. So it's sort of like a little manual of like how to take care of this human body and, you know, what to There's <laughs> a movie I used to like called uh, Made in Heaven. And there was mm-hmm. a book called The Care and Feeding of Mike in this book. <laughs> the Care and Feeding of Mike. Uh, anyway, so I'd like my book should be called The Care and Feeding of Humans. It shouldn't be yeah. called Insults and Antidotes. The Care and Feeding of Humans. We should no, I like it. Insults and Antidotes. And maybe that maybe the okay. subtitle could be The Care and Feeding of Humans. Yeah. Of humans. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that too. Um, okay. But it's it to me it's a it's an it's a, it's kind of the, in the same way that I love and loved Louise Hayes' book You Can Heal Your Life is that there was that section where there's an insult like you look for what the pain is cancer um, diabetes whatever that is and she would have like a probable cause and then a meditative thought to have it in a way your whole book is is that you could kind of reference whatever the thing is that is hurting or not feeling well, and you can find the the antidote. I mean, they they all exist. Well, I, Maybe not in that kind of a reference, was, but I wish it was like that because because you had suggested it, and I thought it was a really great idea. But I ended up not doing it that way because too many insults. The antidote was so similar to the antidotes to so many things that yeah. I literally wrote insults, and then I wrote antidotes, and because they they speak to each other in so many different ways, I couldn't quite make them succinct like that. So we kind of we have to look at the human organism as a whole a whole organism and not separate in pieces. And so there's a way in which everything needs to be addressed uh, in order for the organism to work. And yes, there are some specifics, but I wouldn't say it's as succinct as that. No, but I think but solving that, make, that that thing. would make a nice set of cards. 
Yes, it would. And and I think it's on book, but you know, we can just keep creating new books all day long. But I think that the essence that there we can all know that for every problem or every insult there is an antidote. Just to know that there it exists. And even, and the big one that we're talking about today is is as as trite as it might sound, it's about loving loving the part that we call the problem or internally finding finding it internally. Okay, so let's talk about your other your other book. Da, 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 da. Um, the uh, download on the down low on the upflow. I always want to say download, but down low on the upflow. So what's the what's the little little What's that mean? Um, it's about it's about reflux disease. It's about that you know twenty percent of our population suffers from from acid reflux, <laughs> and those are you know digestion problems and. It's all such a metaphor. Answer, <laughs> yeah, right. It's hard to digest this world. Yeah. And the answer for most, most physicians respond to reflux with, um, and reflux is known as acid coming up into the throat. So basically most doctors say, let's give you an antacid, antacid. But I, uh, those of us in the alternative field believe that it's really a deficiency of stomach acid and the inability to digest food. So this antidotes how you digest food and how you reduce your, uh, your stress so that you can digest food so you can restore your digestion. And that's a really small statement for, right, what that, that for a big really issue, about, but, but most people, but everyone it. should get it. They should all go to love your way to health.com. Joey Sutton. Thank you. Lo- love your way to health is not it. Oh, you can't hear me. Okay. Well, hopefully I can still hear you. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I appreciate you. Joey Sutton, you're a rock star. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. Until then, don't take your dreams lying down. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tollison. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.